This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 595, brought to you by Harry's. Go to harrys.com right now and enter code iFanboy at checkout to get a trial shave set for free. That's harrys.com, code iFanboy. And iFanboy listeners just like you.
Hello and welcome to iFanboy's Pick of the Week, episode 595. I'm Josh Flanning and I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And Ron Richards. He said the wrong thing to the wrong person. <laughs> he said that before, but this was it. This was the one that broke. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to tell you there wasn't a clear warning. I think we were all on the same page about what More than happen. he didn't deserve it. Let's be honest. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I don't know. When they... When they put the shovel on the table like that, I thought maybe that would give them the hint. But anyway, so, uh, you know, that's developing. We'll bring you more as we know more. We are iFanboy. Every week we read our stack of comics and one of us picks their favorite book and we call that the pick of the week. We're going to talk about that book. We're talk about other books from the week, the patron pick. And uh, maybe if we have some time, we'll read some listener mail. It should be a good old time. Your spoiler warning is that there are spoilers. This is a review show. We're going to be talking about what happened to those comics. And while we will not be gratuitous and mean-spirited about it, you should read your books before do, you listen. Do you remember to how crazy people used to be about the Walking Dead spoilers? Yeah. And like that was like a thing. That was an ongoing thing on every podcast. And then it's just never mentioned anymore. I think the show torpedoed that. I guess. It was just, I, just, I was thinking about that the other day. Like, it was always a thing. We also never talk about the book anymore because I think you're the only one left reading it in issues. But, I, but it's also it – is, it is what it is. This is funny. I, just, I was just thinking about the other day. Like, that was like the one thing. And it was industry-wide pervasive and just never – I've never heard it mentioned probably in five years. Yeah. Well, he did something special with that. Not just the book. That part of it, I yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. This week, uh, Connor, you had the pick. I did, and it was a it was an interesting week of comics, and I'm sure the pick was a somewhat of a, a little bit of a surprise to some. It was Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, number twenty five. And I'm always sad that Ron said that thing to that guy because he says Green Lantern Corpse, and it's always funny for everybody. It, this was one of those exercise anniversary issues, and at first when I saw that cover, I was like, ah, oh, goddamn it, just because we have a lot of comics to read in a short amount of time, but. I really like this book. Robert Venditti and Ethan Van Skyver has been doing this particular arc called Fracture. This is the final issue of that arc. Green Lantern is one of my favorite characters, Hal Jordan specifically. And for many, many years, once Jeff Johns stopped writing the book, I basically didn't read Green Lantern until the rebirth happened. Because Jeff Johns introduced that concept of all the different colored lanterns, the yellow lanterns, the red lanterns, the blue lanterns. And that that became the focus of those books, and they just became this never-ending war between the colored lanterns. And it was fun when Jeff Johns did it in the Sinestro Corps War, and it was interesting, and it was, it was in- exciting, but then it just became a rehash over and over and over again. Ron and I would say all the time that we just wanted a, a Space Cops book. And between Gre- Hal Jordan and between the Green Lanterns book, which features Jessica and Simon, you pretty much have that, even though on the cover of this issue you've got a giant yellow lantern, and the focus of this storyline has been how the Green Lanterns and the Yellow Lanterns have forged an uneasy truce and they have come together and the Green Lanterns now partner with the Yellow Lanterns. So instead of having a partner who is a Green Lantern, you have one Green Lantern and one Yellow Lantern as a partner. And they've forged an uneasy peace. And this all came out of the death of Sinestro. This fracture, as you may surmise, has been about how now it's all falling apart. And it didn't last very long. I, I thought it would last much longer. Here, a death of a, a Yellow Lantern and a lie told by Kyle Rayner. Of course, it was Kyle Rayner who caused this all to blow up, caused the whole thing to blow up in this issue. And the whole grand project that Jon Stewart has engineered has fallen apart. And now the Yellow Lanterns are again the sworn enemy of the Green Lanterns. It may sound like it's just the same old thing, and it kind of is, but they've told the interesting story of a truce instead of a war, and, then, and an uneasy truce, and a truce that's worked better for some and worse for others. Strangely enough, Guy Gardner was the most successful Green Lantern in this whole scenario in terms of making nice with the Yellow Lanterns. And then the realistic sort of personal and 
relationship moments that cause this whole thing to fall apart. Mm-hmm. It's just been fun. And the book looks right when Ethan Van Skyver's drawing it. And I just like this dynamic. Here you get all your classic Green Lanterns. This is about Hal Jordan, and it's about Jon Stewart, and it's about Guy Gardner, and it's about Kyle Rayner. The other book is about the new ones. And it's about the core. You have Kilowog, and you have Mogo, and you have all those guys. And so this, to me, feels like the most classic Green Lantern book. And this was just super fun watching it all fall apart in the inevitable way it had to happen. And then there was even a couple of clever twists, including an ending. And I know we said we weren't going to be gratuitous with the spoilers, but it's been pretty important. And it's one of the reasons why this was the pick was that, of course, Sinestro's alive again. It had to happen. He's not in good shape. He's a, he's a burned out shell of a body with basically no skin or no hair, but uh, he's obviously going to come back. And it just, this just felt like good old-fashioned DC Comics, drawn really expertly and told really excitingly. And uh, I love these characters, and it was just a really fun issue. I enjoy a culmination of 25 issues of storytelling. It's all been leading to this point. So is this one of those books that you've been just sort of reading all along, and you were sort of pleasantly surprised by the ending, or was it like it was, a... Well, first of all, I did make this the pick once before, so this right. is the second time. So it's not a surprise that I have been enjoying the book, and I, we have talked about it, Ron and I. Yeah, yeah. So this particular issue was, I think you may have had this last week. Was it you last week, or was it Ron last week? Uh... Doesn't matter. Not important. When I finished reading my stack of books, I didn't have a clear-cut pick in terms of, wow, that was the one. But when I kept looking at my list, my eyes kept going to, to this book because it was the one I had the most fun reading. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you don't have that issue that's like blows you away for craft yep. reasons or blows you away because there was something really amazing. That you, you go to the one where you, that you enjoyed the most that you, you, you keep looking at. And you keep picking mm-hmm. up again, and this is the one that it was. It's just, Robert Venditti is really great. I remember when he burst on the scene with surrogates way, mm-hmm. way, way back when we, we, early on in the days of my fanboy. From the mailroom at Top Shelf. Right. And he was one of those writers that came along for the New 52 that has been quietly in there. And he's a really good comic writer. Yes. He's really good at structure, and he's been telling a really interesting tale of these two groups that have tried to integrate. And, it, you know... Some of the Yellow Lanterns decide to stay behind and become Green Lanterns after the split happens. There's been a lot of interesting characters here. Guy Gardner and his partner have been great because he, he was partnered with basically the Yellow Lantern equivalent of him, the sort of bruiser asshole, and they forged this unlikely friendship. And then when the fight happens, they just kind of look at each other like, well, I'm not going to throw the first punch. Well, I'm not going to throw the first punch. And so mm-hmm. it's sort of a stalemate. And it's just been really nice character work. And even though it's still kind of mired in the Yellow Lantern, Green Lantern saga, it's, it still feels more like Space Cops, which is what I've been looking for. And I also enjoyed the fact that Kyle Rayner caused this all to happen. <laughs> I'm still holding on, holding yeah, on. Yeah, you really can't. Twenty-five like years that. later, no. But uh, this is super fun. So now we got a new new arc starting in twenty-six. A new paradigm. Sinestro will have to come back. I just always love the Green Lantern, and now, you know Ethan Van Skyver. He's got a lot of baggage on him, but he's a terrific artist. And I think he drew this entire arc, which is completely unusual for a guy like him. <laughs> what do you mean, a guy like him? He's slow. <laughs> You know, he's really good, but he's slow. He's at least done most of the arc. Yeah. But uh, this was an exercise issue. He did the entire thing, and it looked fantastic. And uh, I just love the Green Lanterns. I really do. And it's super There's fun. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So, Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern Corps 25, as your pick of the week. Your earlier reference, by the way, was to my pick, but from two weeks ago, Defenders number three. That's right. That's right. Which is why I was confused. But also because I legitimately could not remember what happened last week. It's pretty common. Yeah. You just pick the one you have the most fun with if you, don't, if you don't have another choice. So a question for you. Are you someone who, in your younger days, read or watched Robotech? No. And I thought you were going to try to sell me something for a second. It's one <laughs> of those things that I was aware of, but I don't think 
I was like, I've seen, I, I like everything about it, but I never came across it. I think you and I are part of a different, because when, I, when we were kids, there was a Robotech cartoon. However, I don't know how you, you were, but in my circle of friends, you were either a Robotech guy or you were a Voltron guy. Yeah, I don't remember those being at cross purposes. Not like a Transformers GoBots type of thing. That's what it was for us. And uh, okay. so all me and my friends were all Voltron people. So okay. I never I never saw Robotech. I wonder if you got, like, if Robotech was available to you and it was not to me. Because it just wasn't a thing. Maybe. Robotech, similar to Voltron, kind of, in that it's it was a big robot story, you know, happening in the 80s. And they had toys and they had cartoons and they had books and comics. So this is a reboot of Robotech from Dynamite, written by Brian Wood. And I think I'm at the point now where I think Brian Wood's one of the best writers in comics, so I'm checking out anything he's doing. Really? Yeah, I think so. I think he's doing the most interesting work. I think he does the most uncompromising, interesting work. Hmm. You're right, in that he is a guy that, like, when he writes a book, you're like, oh, that's totally a Brian Wood book. But not in the way that, like, a Bendis book, for example. Right. Bendis does it with a... V- and, and neither of these are necessarily criticisms. I want to make that clear. Bendis is kind of a voice, and and Brian Wood's got a... It's a tone. A a tone is exactly the word I was... Tone, style, almost like a... It's like an anti-structure of sorts. Let me uh, correct myself. If we we had a bell, I would ding it. It's not Dynamite. It's Titan Comics. Oh, okay. I was... Yeah, that makes more sense. So, written by Brian Wood, lettered by John Workman. Hey, now. And art by Marco Torini. And, yeah, this is all right. (laughs) It wasn't... It wasn't that good. It wasn't that good. And you don't have, I mean, you have no history with it, so you. Just... I have no history with it, but it wasn't. It wasn't really. Sometime in the future, after some alien technology has landed on Earth, we've incorporated into our technology the Robotech. I guess will be the the, the ships, which haven't appeared yet. And then there's an alien invasion. Some soldiers scramble to fight it off. There's a kid who's a pilot, sort of extraordinaire. He's obviously you know the hero of the story, who is finds himself in the midst of it, steals a plane, and goes up into the fight and. The plane sort of becomes a half robot because he doesn't know how to work it, so he doesn't know how to completely turn into the the robot. But you know, I think it was anime and a manga, and so there's a lot of that influence in here, mm-hmm. mostly in the way the characters look with the hairstyles and everything, but not so much the storytelling. The art's fine; it's solid. Brian Wood can tell a story. I just don't know that I find the the characters in the, in the world all that compelling. I thought I'd give it a shot because it is one of those properties that people I, who I know love it really, really love it. So I thought I would see what all the hubbub was about, but it didn't really do much for me. Man had some bills to pay, perhaps. Hey, or maybe he loves Robotech. Never know. Or maybe he's looking at it as a challenge. There's all kinds of reasons, I guess, for it could have been. Uh-huh. But it wasn't bad. I just finished it. I was like, yeah, okay. Like, I don't really need to read any more of that. Yeah. Well. So, if you like Robotech, it might have been good. If you are a Robotech fan and you read it, let us know if it was good. I don't know. I don't have any context for Robotech. There was a picture on the title page of a robot holding a giant gun. That never happened. I was, you know, that, that might have changed things. But oh, you were just you were looking for the gun. Well, at no point were there any robots. There was a really? half robot because you know it's 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 decompressed storytelling, so we don't get the we get the plane ends up having feet and arms but no head. Well, yeah, it's, it just sounds disappointing in general. It was fine. It's the definition of a fine comic book. And I know people took us to task for using the word fine in terms of in relation to comics in the past. However, well, let's let's decode that. Fine, fine means there's nothing technically wrong with it, but it failed to excite you. Exactly, and that's exactly what I would, you can put that on the cover of the next issue. <laughs> Well, he saved himself. <laughs> Brian Wood did this week, I think. So Rebels, these free and independent states, number five, this is the, the end of the second arc of Rebels. You tell me if this is something you agree with. I'm listening. I felt like we missed two issues. 
I feel like this wrapped up really quickly. I know what you're saying. However, I got the sense that, A, I knew that this was the last one. So when I started, I went, wait a minute, something happened. Because but basically what you're saying is he went to jail for mutiny at the end of the last issue. And this was much later after he'd been there for a while and he'd lost his arm. Yeah, I just, I just felt like as opposed to the last arc, or it wasn't really an arc because it was multiple storylines. The last volume of Rebels, it just, it wrapped up very quickly. And it wasn't bad. I just thought, well, I yeah. feel like something, I missed something. I know what you're saying, but then when I, because I, I, I went through this. And my thought that I had was... Yeah, but he told the things that he needed to tell. Right. You know, it was like, we don't need to see the issue of him going to jail and all that stuff. It's like, this is how he got to the point where he was making the ship. This is how he got to the point when he was on the ship. And then what happened? This is what happened. And here was the consequence of that. And then this is the wrap up. Right. It was the happy ending. It was the bow. And and again, like that to me feels like Brian Wood. Like he's a guy who he's talking about themes and stories and he doesn't really illuminate every single bit of it and so while i did have that feeling for a second i went all right that's what this book feels like and i thought about where we left off and i came back and i was like there's nothing else you need to show me here they did a little explanation of why he lost his arm and where we ended up where we were um and also you know the you know the fact that we got five issues well that's the thing i was wondering second five issues if maybe the people up at Dark Horse said, listen, Brian, there's only two guys reading this book, and they're both on the same podcast. Not really economical <laughs> they, they didn't for even, us. They didn't even pay for it. <laughs> not <laughs> just, even economical just get preview for us. copies. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is a loss for us. 100% loss. So <laughs> wrap it up. Didn't the last arc, the last volume go like 10 or 12 issues or something like something that? Something like that. But, but at the, recall, at the end of that, we thought, well, that's not – that's never happening. thing that happened, so we're lucky. Well, that means the third volume will have three issues, and then the I don't get. I know what you're saying. I don't get the sense that this was a wrap it up quickly thing. No, I I don't either. I just felt like it could have had one more issue. Sure, but what would they have said? That's what I I guess. What I keep going to. What would they have said that? Um, I don't know. We told an American story of the post Revolutionary War era with a really capable colorist and artist and writer, well produced professional across the board, you know, a good, well-crafted comic book without, I mean, a lot of times when we get stories like these, they'll get written really well, but they'll have to, you know, hire somebody. Who Absolutely. Maybe, usually there's, they put all the money in the one creator basket and then right. that's usually the dynamite so way. This was everything. And it was even yeah. a continuation and, uh, you know, it was a mature adult story and the story, the story telling style. It's everything I could hope for. So Listen, I, I enjoyed it. And I liked yeah. the, the scene where they had a conversation with Madison in the White House. I always like seeing sure. the portrayals of the old White House before it became the familiar thing we know now. Yeah. I liked the series so much. I think I just wanted one more issue just sort of sure. to be in the world. Sure. And the main character, John Abbott, was interesting. So I wanted more of him. That last issue, you weren't on the show and I didn't have the pick. But that last issue would have been my pick of the week. I remember that, that was very good. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, in the past, I would have said, well, there's no way we're getting any more of that. But may- maybe. Who knows? Maybe, maybe some, like, little clatch of, of Revolutionary War fanatics found this and are keeping it alive. I don't know. But I'll, I'll take what I can get. Those two guys are still reading it. So I guess we should still make it. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, we did iFanboy for five years for one dude. <laughs> it was very low overhead. <laughs> Actually, not if you got the comics, we were fine. Action Comics 984. 
I, I find it a continual source of amusement that you keep putting this book on the list. Not that I not enjoy I, it. I just never expected you to constantly be adding Superman books to the list of the rundown. Well, it's, you know what? It's not that I love it. It's that I I think it's really fun to talk about, and I constantly want to. I read it. And I'm like, well, I wonder what Connor thought of that. I think it's funny. I mean, uh, not not you. You're not funny. Yeah. You're deadly serious. But it's not that Superman's never had a family. He's obviously always had a family. Supergirl, Superboy, kind of Steel. But like, I just don't think of it because I always think of him more as a solo hero. He always works better when he's solo. But there's a, you know, the title page shows. Him and Steel and Superwoman and, and New Superman and, and Lex Luthor, who I still don't think fits, and that's the only thing I don't like about this. And I don't even show Supergirl. It's just like he's this giant Superman family of heroes. And it's, always, it's just like, I guess this is what is the thing now. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bizarre to me, but I'm, I'm okay with it because the characters are good. But I don't think of Superman having a giant superpowered family of Supermen and women. I just, I think that... After so long of having nothing to talk about with Superman and then trying to find stuff to talk and really trying to like it, this feels like the most traditional superhero comic. It does, yeah. In a way. It doesn't feel modern. It doesn't feel old. It's just like, how about this? But now this and this and dastardly villains and, you know, constant high stakes. And I don't want all my comics to feel like this, but. It's nice to have one. It is. It is. And it's, you know, it's stupid and it's like not not a bad way, but it's a little like... I mean, Jurgens does a great job of yep. that old formula of you've got a main story, you've got a B story. It's the old, the old Levitz formula, right? The ABC yeah. uh, thing where they're constantly weaving in and out. Um, you know, here you've got the Superman family fighting Zod and his group of dastardly Superman villains who, of course, can't get along at the end and it all falls apart because they can't and... And then, but the Zod's real plans are revealed. Now you've got that becomes the B story. Now Lex Luthor becomes the A story. It's fun. And I really want to know, at what point did Patrick Zercher decide to be called Patch Zercher? And what was that conversation like with his friends? I think like that's like his Twitter name. is like Patches or something. Well, now he's Patch Zercher in the credits. All right. I just, you know. Listen, we all make choices. It'd be like you being like, listen, from now on, I'd like you guys to call me Jay. We'd be like, I don't know that's about not that. Even, it's, I think it's more like Sting. Like we're well, one day it's Gordon a short name of Patrick. Like, yeah. But it's, yeah. it's the sound Listen. of Patrick. So how about the reveal? Do we know that Zod and Ursa were together in some way and had a son? I don't or know. Or is that the new reality? I mean, clearly they're doing the mirror thing with now Zod. Sure. A superpowered kid for Jonathan to fight. and I don't remember. There's been a lot of comics and a lot of things. That's true. But I guess Ursa was thought to be dead because they're all really surprised to see. And Superman's like, it can't be. You're... And she kicks him in the yeah. face, which is always fun. So I don't know. I'm just going with it. I'm just going with it. And yeah. I like, you know, you get the uh, crypto gets to have his hero moment. And, you know, it's just everyone gets a little taste here. I just, you got to figure this Lex Luthor thing out. It does, he doesn't make any sense there. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a little possible Watchmen tie-in with that dude in the green cloak. Oh, yeah. Who's that going to be? It's, it's going to end up being somebody I don't know. So, like, the reveal will be underwhelming. That's how that always goes with me. Yeah. It's funny. There's, I, I sense a little bit of... Not annoyance, but like consternation in Comic-Con from DC creators about the Watchmen thing. Because I told somebody that like the feeling now from the readership is that we're so paranoid about Watchmen. We think everything's related to Watchmen, every secret thing. And so they're always like, it's not about Watchmen. Most things aren't. But I don't know if I'm allowed to say anything. (laughs) So Flash 27, speaking of Watchmen tie-in stuff. This could have been the pick of the week if Howard Porter had drawn the whole thing. Uh Uh-huh. Nothing against Paul Pelletier, it just didn't really fit. I don't think that I noticed that there was a substitute 
but I did notice that it wasn't the last Porter issue was just all Porter tastic, and this was not quite as much so. Do you know my most exciting part of this book? Oh, um, no. I'm, I'm looking through I've it. Trying listeners to... out there can, are, are, are on top of this. It's the very last page, page 21. New look, next issue. Oh, yeah, I did see that. See, you fooled me there because you don't <laughs> like that. Unless it's new look, but the new look isn't going to mean old look. I don't know, as long as it means less stupid lines on his costume. I, there's a real danger of more lines. <laughs> That's true. You hated, the, you hated the lines before. Here are more of them. I didn't necessarily hate the sort of dark berry costume in the first part in which the, the, this, the gold lines became black. Uh-huh. Uh, it's kind of like the TV show. Yeah. At least it stands out less. Or it's just going to be the way the art was drawn. But I just, I'm already for a new, new flash look. New look, new powers, new problems. So what I noticed was that this issue... The art wasn't the best all the way through, but what it was was super kinetic. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it was like it was in so much motion and there was just it was nonstop action and movement and speed throughout the entire thing. And I thought that was uh, really well done. Yeah, I like that, that. I mean, it was basically a long makes- fight between Barry and Reverse Flash. So as they go through time. They, you know, they, I like how they passed by other scenes from other Flash <laughs> comics and things like that. And I, I like. I thought this did a really good job of. I, uh, Reverse Flash is not my favorite Flash villain. I kind of because when he shows up, it kind of just takes over everything, mm-hmm. and it it has this a quality of being, oh, this is always going to be here. Right. You know, like you're never going to solve this, and I find that frustrating. Well, not now. He's been vaporized by Iris, so he's going to be dead forever. Yeah, yeah, but that's like the third time in this arc. Josh, he's dead. He's dead forever. Yeah. I know. I, and I also like this is this is a personal like and I know this is how you do it. But like at the end of it, everyone hates Barry and he's super sad. And I'm like, that's well, not, you know, <laughs> it's, it's kind of a bummer. Sad Barry. You're right. He did. It's like the second time Reverse Flash died in like the last six issues. Yeah, he's 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 getting killed a lot. And so it doesn't tend to mean a lot. And, you know, he exists in time. And, and Barry, you know, like the challenge of the character for Barry is that, like, he can't get rid of him. So you sort of never get away from it. And he just keeps that time travel thing's a bitch. I love the thinking behind that. Like, I, I, I liked that sort of time travel trick. Like, you can't ever get around it because you can always just go forward a little bit or something like that. But it's frustrating. I think I feel the frustration of the protagonist. If I'm Barry in this final scene in which Iris is at New Wally's bedside and she asks him if he's lied about anything else and he thinks of Wally West, the original, and he doesn't get it out. I would just stick my head back in the room and say, listen, you've got another Wally West nephew. There's two of them. Bye. I agree with you. I think, uh, yeah, he blew it. But then again, you know, you don't have drama if everybody's making the right choice. I think if you stick your head in, do it comedically, and then leave, I think, that, <laughs> I think then he's, uh, he's still in trouble. <laughs> that's, the, that's always the best way to deliver bad news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it with a flourish. Yeah, sure. It was really fun. I thought this arc was great. You know, since the button, I think the Flash has been really firing on all cylinders. Oh, sure. It's Josh Williamson's time for that book, and he's the right man for it. And uh, Howard Porter is also the right person to be doing it also, so it's great. Yeah, put him in the lineup. We had the button, which started with issue 21. So for the last six issues, it's been really terrific. I mean, the book's always been good. We've liked it a lot, but the last six issues, the book has been really good. Yep. I've been, I'm back on it. I got off for a while, and I'm reading it now, so definitely. The button. The button. So, you guys want to hear about Harry's? I do. I thought you might. You're a shaving enthusiast. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> well, and it's true. Like we, uh, we we were both customers before they came on to sponsor our show, which we appreciate very much. And you have a complicated shave life, I believe. Me or the or the people listening? You, Connor, specifically. Oh yes, I do. Yes. You've got to do the head. I can't even imagine trying to do the head. Here's I the thing can't. about the head, and this is nothing on Harry's. It's just it's quality of the blades. If you are not really paying attention and you and you let your mind wander and you nick yourself because those blades are are nice, it bleeds a while. It may have happened at Comic Con. I mean, the the better the blade, I'm, I'm sure the more risky that is. Yeah. You really got to be on your game. Yeah. yeah. Well, Good there stuff. you go. Yeah, but here's the thing. With Harry's, and I, you know, shaving your head is not easy because your heads aren't completely smooth like your like your cheeks might be. Sure. I used to always cut my head with this other blade company's blades. They were fine mm-hmm. blades, but I used to always cut my head with them. Harry's hardly ever happens. It's usually user error. Usually not. Mm-hmm. Like literally, I was not paying attention. I was looking somewhere else while shaving my head. That's not on Harry's. That's on me. But that never happens usually with Harry's blades. They're really good. Really good blades. Yeah. I like the little packages. I've been literally. I've been. A, I've been a customer for years. I got my box great. this week. My new box. Woo. Nice. I don't have to get them quite as often as you. <laughs> well, I, go I can a lot get of the four pack, and I'm kind of good for the year. <laughs> I go through a lot of the shaving cream. But I also don't. I don't shave my whole face anymore. So that when I did, that would take less time. But uh, anything to not have to go into the uh, into the pharmacy and be like, "Can you unlock the case for me?" <laughs> I hated it. Those. They're how much? <laughs> All right, fine. That. Um, so uh, Harry's is so confident that you are also going to love their blades that they're going to give you a free trial shave set uh, when you sign up at harrys.com slash ifanboy. Just pay for shipping. And honestly, if you're listening to this show and you've heard us go on and on about this and you are uh, a person who needs to remove hair from your skin, I don't care if you're a man or a woman, anywhere, and, and you just get the free shave set. Yeah, it's free. You pay for shipping. It, honestly, say that you've been thinking, oh, I, I don't know if I'm going to become an iFanboy member or a patron or anything like that. Do this. If, if you're, you know, the, it's very little, a lot of benefit, very little drawback. So just go do that. Harry's is all about a great shave at a fair price, which is why over the three million guys have switched to Harry's. Jeff and Andy were just two regular Joes, Jamokes you might call them, who are fed up with buying overpriced razors. And they started Harry's to fix shaving quality. All products are backed with a 100% quality guarantee. And they offer their blades at half the price of the leading five blade razor selling directly to you over the internet and of course make sure you get over to harrys.com slash ifanboy you're going to get the free trial set which is a $13 value you just cover the shipping and that's going to be a weighted ergonomic razor handle five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade which I'm not going to talk about like Ron did before but he likes the trimmer blade because of the sideburns the rich lathering shave gel which I enjoy and the travel blade cover which is the game changer yeah so again over over to harrys.com slash ifanboy, harrys.com slash ifanboy. So Doom Patrol number seven I wanted to mention because Mike Allred and Laura Allred joined the art team for this one issue. They're the perfect art team for this book. And this is a one-shot issue in which Dr. Niles Calder, the you know the founder and leader of the uh, Doom Patrol, who's been sort of stalking them in the background this whole time, finally confronts them and, and they agree to let him lead the team again for a short time even though they don't trust him because he did, he's done bad things in the past and the whole thing just blows up in their face and the end of it they fire him so i don't know <laughs> if he's going to be in the book anymore but uh, it was a fun little one shot mike all red's perfect for this book he makes them wear the classic costumes which they get rid of at the end too it's just a fun little one shot doom patrol book this book is weird and it's wacky and it doesn't come out quite regularly but i really enjoy it Last week, I think I was, was it last week, was down on Secret Empire? Oh, it was the week before. Is it weekly? I don't know, 
They're coming up fast and furious. I was saying, you know, you had Andreas Sorrentino on it. It was working. That book was singing. Yep. This week you don't have it. Well, apparently this week they have him again. He's back. <laughs> and 100%, like, I feel like I'm like, oh, I was probably too harsh on the book before because I enjoyed this issue. <laughs> the last one I was mad about. And then this one, they got that guy back. And I was like, oh, okay, it's all right. It's so, all but right. the story didn't change, just the way it looked. I'm going to go ahead and give it to the artist that I think he's helping clear things up too. But I also think they weren't doing so many things like this is there's still the, the main element that doesn't make sense is it's just like that is not Steve Rogers. Right. But it's not Steve Rogers, right? I know that, but they have failed to make that work for me because there has to be there has to be an element that makes me believe that St- that Steve Rogers or why else am I reading it? It's to the point now where when I'm reading a book and I read the recap page and the first line is Steve Rogers has to and I go, ugh. Because it's yep. gonna be it's gonna be a secret Empire tie-in. But you know, as these go, it was pretty good. There's 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 conflict. There was a really couple of it was a nice scene between Black Widow and Miles Morales because if you remember long ago, he saw that image of him being the one who killed Captain America, and he's sort of at this point resigned himself to it. And now it all makes sense why he saw that because at the time it wouldn't made any sense. Oh, uh, um, I see. They're tying in that yeah that, that prophecy works. from Civil yep. War to this. Yep, and that works. Like totally works. It's good. It's good. Prophecies are helpful, in kind of like in Game of Thrones. You can just say, you know what? Well, wrong prophecy. Well, no, but it it, it isn't good like it isn't like Bendis's closet. Like they're following up on it. Like, <laughs> why did we see it? Well, you have to. You know, you can either drop it, never show it again, or they're following through. So, it, it kind of is interesting in terms of like it's a nice long game plan. Uh, but for me, still, the story is that like Andrea Sorrentino is really good, and I really like the pages, and I like his interesting layouts, and uh, it. Almost looks gimmicky, but he's selling it for me. You know, like, it, it works. I think I want to run for Congress. I'm just having this idea now. Solely just... so I can subpoena Bendis. <laughs> miss, 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 Mr. Bendis. <laughs> just pound on the desk. What is in the closet? Now, now, y- now y'all expect everybody in here believe that you knew nothing about what was in that closet. <sighs> We got we we got to wait around for the better part of two decades. Understand what's in that closet? Just, hey, hey, go stand, Mister Bendis. Giant blow ups of the pages. Huh? By the way, it's important. Let's not get into it. This is a rabbit the hole. The congressman in my head sounds like uh, Stephen Root doing a congressman. By the way, Batgirl thirteen also almost the pick of the week, but I just couldn't do it in good conscience. It's a one shot featuring a guest appearance by Catwoman, and the idea of this issue is that someone is stealing the Instagram famous pets of Gotham. And I was like, I think my eyes are rolling out of the back of my head. But they didn't. It was actually a really fun little team up because Catwoman's cat's been stolen. And one of the dogs, the the famous dog in the neighborhood's been stolen. And actually, it felt kind of like a Batman 66 episode because the the person they find who stole it is called Velvet Tiger. It has a whole tiger motif. And she's got henchmen called kittens dressed up like cats. And they had a big fight. And I was like, all right, this is a Von Craig style. So that's okay, but man, uh, I can't do it. I can't. I can't make a pick of the week from an Instagram famous dog story. Just can't. I can't do it. I don't think anyone blamed me for that. Uh, once I got beyond my own prejudices, it was actually very fun and good. It's a great one shot. There's a lot of one shots this week, and I like to see those. Next issue, it says Batgirl and Nightwing begin a whole new story arc. You know, I'm excited for that. Yeah, yeah. Will they or won't they? They won't. You know when there's like a series and you read it for a really long time yeah. and you really you don't like it, but you keep reading it <laughs> yes. and you don't want to, but you keep reading it. Yeah, yeah. Hellblazer number 12 came out this week. I was so surprised to see that. I almost fell out of my chair because I didn't think you were reading it anymore. 
in my old before the new 52 broke my reading habits of having to you know continue to read all all the series i'd always read yeah i know exactly how you felt about that so okay when it was constantine Mm-hmm. the title and it was p- really part of the main DC universe and they were trying to tie it into Justice League Dark and there's some people on it who I genuinely like as creators but I, I could not bring myself to read it. Right. I did. I think I read the first one and I was like, nope. Right. So this was relaunched as The Hellblazer which is pretty close written by Simon Oliver who was supposed to be the series regular on this at one point after he had done The Exterminators and that fell apart. He did four issues and then that, and then they, they brought on uh, Andy... Run, not Runton. I was going to say Weir. <laughs> uh, no, Duggan. Duggan? Is that right? Aunt Jerry no. Duggan? No. The Losers. The guy from The Losers. This is bad. This is like, we never used to do this. People are hearing us get old before their eyes. People are screaming at their computers. Yeah, now, but Simon Oliver came Andy on. Diggle. There. Andy Diggle. Duggle, that's how I... See, I was close. And then for a couple issues in the middle here... Uh, we had a tan on the art, and it was n- like it was not good. So they got David Fabri on here. Uh, Italian artists seem to do well with this book. I well, think he's it's Italian. kind of European, European feeling book. So it looks good again. Looks right. Feels like John. Voice is pretty good. We have been in the middle of stupid genie storyline, gin for the whole arc, and they need to move on. It's not going anywhere. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what the stakes are or why I should care. I don't know where John stands. I mean, you kind of don't know where he stands, but it's like, oh, it's torture. And I can't stop reading it. (laughs) It's like Star Wars. You said last time that you weren't really enjoying Star Wars. Yeah, but I go back and forth on that. Is it just because it's the character? Is that why you can't stop? Or is there some other reason why? I, I think I want it to be good again. Like, I like all the parts seem to be there. Like, they're not trying to do DCU. Like, he's technically there, but they basically just took out the swearing and occasional nudity. And other than that, it's pretty much like the old book was. Simon Oliver, good writer. He's done a good Hellblazer story in the past. He did that Exterminators book, which I really liked. And it just is not coming together. And it's And it's also the longest. It's like... Like, if Scott Snyder was doing this arc, you'd be like, that's a long arc, Scott. And this is like that. It's a long arc. <laughs> so you're trying to will it into, into quality again. Yes. I want, I'm totally trying to get back the thing I liked before because it should be working. It is not working and they need to move to the next thing. Please. So it's been a 12-issue arc. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I think. I think this gin thing has been going on the whole time. You know, it sounds familiar and I, only, I think you only talked about the first one before. Right. This week I read BPRD, The Devil You Know, number one by Mike Mignola and Scott Alley with art by Lawrence Campbell. I have not been on BPRD for a while. Mm-hmm. The Hell on Earth was basically where I kind of left off in there somewhere and the Earth had been destroyed basically and there's monsters everywhere and this is the BPRD running around trying to put out fires. And it got kind of stagnant and hopeless and it looked really good and then um, John Arcudi left. Right. John Arcudi was the voice you know, even though Mike Mignola's name is on there, John Agudi was the voice of BPRD from from Jump. And so now you have Scott Alley doing that, who is the uh, editor all along. And I don't know what it, I think I was kind of expecting. I was like, oh, this will be a good place to jump in. It's just more of that. I read this. Did you? I haven't read a BPRD book in I, forever. I used to really like BPRD, but it's been a long time. So I was completely lost. You're not alone. I realized that the Hellboy model, which includes BPRD, is all these different minis, but they are one long continuing story. So I'm basically jumping on at part 87 here. However, there was no help here in what was, who these people were, what was going on. Yeah. Uh, who was the dude with the sword? 
Uh, I don't remember. The beard. He was in it. Like he basically like the the sword it was like gone back to soldiers for all of you know human history, and that guy was a soldier you know who happened to find it and grab it, and now he's like the ass kicker. And and now um, Liz is basically the same as the Human Torch. And at one point they actually call her the Human Torch. Yeah. But her power set has gotten really big, so they're they're trying to fight back the monster invasion of Earth, which is sort of hell has taken over. Which is literally, it doesn't feel like it, I've missed anything. I thought it looked really good, I don't, although I don't, yeah. you, you, you can tell me, I'm, I associate a different kind of art style with DPRD. Um, I mean, it was uh, Guy, Guy Davis. Davis for such a long time, and that looked great. And after that, they started switching around a little bit, but Dave Stewart is always there to like hold it down, yeah. that visual color look. You know, it looked it looked fine for us. I've seen a lot of artists on this book since then, so it's not not so much jarring for me. Away that worked, it didn't feel quite right. Didn't feel like Arcudi. Like there was something different, and that's part of it. Um, and then the end, uh, they introduced Vivara, who's the little girl, who's like the Russian vampire, who's always a little girl. Yeah. And that's what the devil you know means. And she got together with. So the big reveal at the end, and I did like this, was her, and then the two uh, Nazi villains from Hellboy, von Klemp. Is it the you know the robot-y yeah, the, guy and then the, and then the guy who yeah the head in a jar, Klemper von Klemper something like that and that was kind of, I was like all right you got me interested so for a little while I was like I don't know what's going is this more of this and I was like all right let's do these guys let's see what happens so the, all those sort of baddies are Vivar is sort of in the middle but are getting together uh, I'm gonna read the next one all right well there you go because I have missed the book. Those are the comics we wanted to talk about, but every week the patrons over at patreon.com slash ifanboy vote to put one book in the rundown. This week, the overwhelming choice was Batman slash The Shadow number four. So we got a a middle of the story book here. Plot by Scott Snyder and Steve Orlando. Script by Steve Orlando. Art by Riley Rossmo. uh, Letters by the always entertainingly named Clem Robbins. Nice guy. So... Yeah, so? <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with this. I was completely lost. I thought the Riley Rossmo art was uh, great and a surprise. I was like, oh, that's where he is. This is a dynamite collaboration. Uh, yeah, I don't know anything about the shadow at all. And so I didn't know what was stuff about the shadow I didn't know and what was stuff about Batman that I just wasn't aware of. The shadow is an old pulp hero. Right, and I know that. that's about all I know. Okay. There was a movie. That wasn't Valkyrie. Was, was it the Baldwin. Baldwin? Yeah, that was the Baldwin. Baldwin. But that's really all I know about the shadow. Uh, mm-hmm. He knows the evil that lurks in the hearts of men. That's it. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, he might have been one of those characters that influenced the creation of Batman because he's he's older than Batman. But you know, this is the middle of an arc, so I, I found that exciting because I, I I like the idea of seeing if we can suss out what's happening. And this o- opens with Batman all trussed up, surrounded by looks like every villain. Because at first it looks like a small group, just Joker, Penguin, Man Bat, and this other dude, the stag, who may be a, a villain of the shadow, and Clayface. But then, like, as the scene progresses, like, everyone is there. And I didn't yeah. know what was going on there. But uh, the art was good. I just, I don't respond to Steve Orlando's scripts. I've noticed that also about myself. Yeah. I didn't like the Joker's voice. I didn't like Batman's voice. Like, I wasn't worried too much about continuity. Like, who cares where it takes It's just this little... Sure, know. no, it's not that. But I didn't know what... This was not a good number four to read because I didn't know what the stakes were and who anybody was. I, I, I was pretty lost. And then in addition to the fact, like, there wasn't a bit of it that I found super compelling to be like, oh, that's kind of that's interesting that, you know, like sometimes you can grab onto a little little piece. Right. It was fun to see Riley Rossmo draw all these different characters. I mean, he's basically Absolutely. every major Batman villain plus Commissioner Gordon, Bullock, Montoya, Crispus Allen, Alfred. I mean, so it's cool. I mean, he's great. But uh mm-hmm. 
you remember we saw a little bit of this preview in one of those Batman books? They had that that book where it had like four different storylines that were previewing upcoming things, and one of them was this. Kind of. I didn't. I don't know. I didn't find it much compelling. Also, it opens up with like this is the holy place where Doctor Gotham was buried, and he was evil, so that's why the city's evil. I hate that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, just let a thing be evil on its own. There doesn't need to be a historical cosmic reason for everything. Yeah. I agree with that. Also, I don't know why Batman has to wear this uniform. And it, I don't think colors can ever figure out, is it purple? Is it blue? Is it black? Like, I don't think they can't figure it out. I think that they're trying to figure out the best way to illustrate what it is, and it doesn't always work. I mean, I, I, it's sort of just saying the same thing. The inside of the cape, I think, is intended to be purple as a nod to his original costume. Uh-huh. But the rest is supposed to be, I thought, black. Not the gray, obviously, but the, the cowl and the boots and the cape and the gloves, but... They've been, you know, coloring it blue in some comics. Here, it's, it's mm-hmm. colored purple, unless my color blindness is getting to me. I'm but. seeing it's it's kind of purplish, although that just feels like the light they're trying to cast on it. Like the blue in Spider-Man was originally just them trying to highlight the black parts. Right. I feel like it's sort of that, but it, it looks super purple. And I don't feel like we should have purple on Batman. I mean, the highlight colors is okay, but like, yeah, it's just it's weird. I don't know. This was okay, but it doesn't it doesn't really compel me to read it much more, which is, I guess is a preview for ratings. Ratings. Uh, I gave this a three. I will also go with three. And will you be sticking with it by going back and reading other issues and reading more? Nope. Neither will I. Nope. You can vote every week at patreon.com slash ifanboy for the patron pick, and uh, we appreciate that. This week, the patrons have splintered off and started their own Facebook group to, oh, no. to have their discussions more in depth before the uh, the post goes up. And now we have to monitor that for possible subversive activity. Subversives? We're doing, yeah. they're doing that kind of thing? We know we have one ex-staffer subversive in there who has led them down a dark path before. So we have to keep an eye on it. Okay. Just so everyone knows, we're watching. Always watching. Yes. That being said, it's time for uh, Patron Superpowers. We get our thank you to the folks who uh, have supported us over at patreon.com slash ifanboy, and we give them uh, a superpower of some kind. I refuse to say they're dumb powers. They're not, perhaps, what you'd expect. Not super useful in a fight, maybe. Maybe not. Certainly not the usual that you might find in, in a traditional X-Men comic, but they are a, a metahuman ability that these people have earned uh, by by donating at a level of $5 or more a month. So we have, we've got a lot to get to, so we're going to do the four that we do this week. You're up first. George Longus always has full bars. <laughs> always. Everywhere. He's like a human uh, repeater for cell tower signals. He's oh, always goodness. got full bars. Are my testicles safe around him? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. There's no actual danger. And in fact, if you are within five feet of him, you will also have full bars. But he always has full bars. It's a very limited... It's not that he's transmitting, but it's around him. Yeah, it's like a field around him. Yeah. That's nice. So he's underground, in the middle of the desert, everywhere. Full bars. No matter what carrier, either. He's got them all. That's nice. That's really... That that can save you a lot of money in the long run. Yeah. Because you don't have to choose based on, you know, what's prevalent in your area. I can finally get Sprint. Yeah, Sprint everywhere. Yeah, that's nice. So uh, Anthony Sanchez mm-hmm. literally always makes the trains run on time. <laughs> <laughs> so Okay, so he goes into the subway station, the train comes no matter what. Yeah, or they bring him in. Like if any, any, any rail situations <laughs> are having trouble. So he, he, could, he could make a lot of money in New York City right now is what you're saying. Oh, sure. 
Yeah, no, like you would bring him in, like the the MTA would 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 hire him, uh, and then he'd be like, "All right, you got to fix this, 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 and this." And and they they they'd come in the next day, be like, "You're a miracle worker." Always makes the trains run on time, but not in like a dictatorial way. It just it just it just happens. No, he just it's like the Karnak of tra- trains. <laughs> <laughs> he can see where the flaw is. Okay, I get it. Okay, Kenneth, and I don't want you to ask me about this next one where it came from. Kenneth Frost. No matter what he's been up to, produces clean urine. <laughs> okay. So no, no, no traces of anything. So uh, I like to let everyone home and just sit with where that may have come from because <laughs> I I need a minute. <laughs> Kenneth Frost could perhaps use that to help other people, or uh-huh. just always, you know. And also, he may never, never have use for it. He also may ne- not even know it's happening. He just always has clean urine. No, 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 no substances, uh, uh, no outside substances are ever found in his urine. Jose Ayerve <laughs> can emit powdered sugar from his fingertips. Ooh. At any point. Sometimes involuntarily. Sometimes he'll be sitting there leaning on a counter. What the hell's that? Oh, sorry, my bad. Powdered sugar. So can he? He can control the volume and velocity which it comes out, or is it just it just leaks to a out? certain extent? Could he make to like a, a cloud they could escape into, like a like a smoke bomb? I suppose if he worked on it, hmm. I could see that that working. Uh, although that gets that gets wet, it's going to get awful sticky. Right. Yeah, it's like that scene in uh, Gone Girl. Does this affect his blood sugar? No, no, he's fine with that. Okay. Let me ask you a question, though. Mm-hmm. So you'd think, oh, this is the perfect guy to go have French toast with. Right. But if you're sitting there with your friend and you've got your French toast in front of you and, and your friend goes, you want some powdered sugar on that? But you know that it comes from his orifices. Well, wait, hold on. You said fingers, not his orifices. Yeah. Well, he has, a, he has a powdered sugar orifice. Okay. Something's coming out of something. It's not like he's squatting over the table and the powdered sugar it's, comes uh, out. Listen, a sweat gland is an orifice. Okay. Maybe not. I don't know if that's true. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> Either way, do you want? Would you want organically created? I'd be okay with it. Expelled. But here's, here's the thing. Here's the tragedy. You know it's fine. Here's Jose's tragedy. He's a savory guy. Oh. Doesn't like the. Sh- not really into sweets. Yeah, like he's like, I wish this was oregano. Right. Huh. Yeah, that's a sad part. That's a, That's the often the Shakespearean tragedy of the superpower. Sorry, Jose. Yeah. <laughs> patreon.com slash ifanboy that's where you can join up at the $5 or higher level get your own superpower on the show thanks to everyone who does that also what patrons get to do is they hang out with us once a month the patron hangout's coming July 31st at 9pm eastern 6pm pacific that is if you're listening to this right away tomorrow or today or or it already happened or you missed it and you can watch the replay on the patron page but that's where the next hangout's happening in addition to here's, here's how you can help the show number one the t-shirt store, ifanboy.threadless.com. We've got our four designs, the two classics, the iFanboy and the Herm, and two new shirts, the Pick of the Week podcast and the Rating shirt. And we have Ratings. more coming soon. In fact, we are, we are going to be debuting the new design at that Patreon hangout we just mentioned. So, and then that'll be available on the store soon. We like this one a lot. Also, ifanboy.com slash support. That's where you can find the Amazon link. That's where you can shop via Amazon. It doesn't take any money out of your pocket. It just takes the money out of almost richest man in the world, Jeff Bezos' pocket. And quite frankly... I thought he was. Was that he debunked? was? But then, the, then the the stock took a hit. Oh, because they didn't hit their quarterly number, and he he dropped to number two. Darn. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Jeff. So, 
Help us out there. Make that your link on your browser. Never think about it again. People do that all the time. We appreciate that. Direct donation via PayPal, also on ifanboy.com slash support. Eccentric billionaires, always welcome, like Jeff Bezos. You know, if, now that you're number two, might as well just dump some of that wealth. Patreon.com slash ifanboy. We're a little bit, little bit around 500 bucks away from getting that weekly, I'm sorry, that monthly non-comics media podcast, which I'm sure we <laughs> You will shut your mouth. Yeah. I started to... I had a flashback to Goodfellas Minute the other the other day. Like for some oh, reason, yeah. I had like a, a PTSD esque flashback to it. It was pretty intense. But we're inching ever closer to the non comics media podcast. I think I'm sure we would have talked about Dunkirk this this month. But you got to get there by just signing up Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. That's how you can help the show. Thanks to everybody who does that. Let's do your emails. Greg M says. My friend and I were recently talking about Paper Girls, and we both came to the conclusion that we were sticking with it because of Cliff Chang and Matt Wilson's art. Neither of us could confidently tell you what was going on in the story, but thought, hey, at least it looks great. Have there been books that you read longer exclusively because you love the art? How long do you give a book with stellar art but not a gripping story? I've been thinking about this question since July 15th. Not long, I know, but it's been bugging me. It's a good start. It's a solid start, Greg. Two weeks. Two weeks. It's not nothing. (laughs) I mean, it's it's amateur hour, but still. It's the least you you can do, but whatever. We've talked about this yes. before. I will read a book longer with art I like than with art I don't like. I can't read a book with art I don't like, at least at least in some way. Yeah, there's definitely a point. There's it's a, a visual medium. It's got to it's got to at least be visually appealing in some fashion. Yeah, there's 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 art you like uh, and art you don't like, but then there's art art, art that is in, ineffective. There's bad right. bad you know it's bad at telling the story, and that's usually a, a hard pass. Um, but Paper Girls is an example because I don't – I, in fact, moved the trades on it because I just like I don't yeah. know what's going on month to month. Maybe if I read it in chunks, it'll be easier to, easier to understand. I believe all of us are on board with you on this assessment of that book. Yeah. I don't know what's happening. And I, I've tried to drop it a couple times, but I keep going back to it. And I think that might be the same effect that you're talking about. Most – I've definitely done this not a ton in the past. I, th- I think for the most part I read all of the Hawkeye issues – because of David Aja. Interesting. For the most part. Because at the end, I, like, I don't like what he did with the character of Clint Barton. Like, I, I don't like where it left him. I don't like how, how, what everybody else did with it after that. The Clint Barton that I grew up with as a character that I loved is really no more. For all sorts of reasons. Not just because of that book. but Ground between, into the dust. Yeah, but I, I mean, I wouldn't miss a, a moment of those Aja issues. And in fact, you know, if you go back to when he did Iron Fist, I was doing the same thing. Most recently, Brian Wood, who was lauded uh, quite a bit earlier today, he was doing Moon Knight, and I was getting the issues just to look at the Greg Smallwood art, and I didn't even read them. I tried to, like, for one or two, and I was like, mm-hmm. I don't care. I just wanted to look at the art. So I've definitely done that. I was looking through my list of books here on the iPad, and I was going to say I don't have any right now as I'm currently reading better than I found one. The Ultimates 2. I enjoyed the first volume of The Ultimates quite a bit but this volume I haven't really been into. It's been very heady and cosmic-y and I don't really respond to what's happening. However, Travel Foreman's been drawing it. Oh. And uh, he's terrific. I think Ron used to always read anything Steve Dillon did. Right. And, and you know... Steve Dillon didn't do a lot of great books outside of the work stuff that he did with Ennis. Ennis. I mean, like, I think he worked on Deadpool with, um, who was that writer that n- no one liked? Uh, I don't know. 
No, but there was like a writer on it for a really long time, and and I, like a lot of people didn't want to read it because of that. Deadpool fans at the time, Deadpool fans were a, a, a more of a subcategory, but Ron was reading that all the way through, and I was like, "Why are you reading that?" He was like, "Steve Dillon," and I was like, "Fair enough." I find that when I do that, it doesn't last long. Yeah, there's so many comics. Yeah, like I'll do it for a few issues, and then I'll be like, "All right, I don't even know what I'm looking at here. It looks great, but I don't care." Yeah, so right now the only one I could say I'm doing that for is the Ultimates too. Mm-hmm. Travel Foreman's done, I think, ten out of, uh, seven out of the nine issues that they've done. But, like, oh, uh, you know, when Francis Manipal was doing Flash, it wasn't a greatly written book, but I read it because of the art. That was a while ago. That was, like, six years ago. Daniel Way was who I was talking about. Oh, that's about. right. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Wes A. says, I was curious what your thoughts were on the recent news that the new Spawn movie will be written and directed by Todd McFarlane. My thoughts are like I can barely finish that sentence while being produced by Blumhouse. Will having McFarlane so hands-on be a good thing? Do you think this will result in a movie that is faithful to the source material? I imagine Ron has the most thoughts on this, but his que- the question is open to all. Well, good news about that last thing because he <laughs> has no thoughts to share currently. <laughs> we don't know where he is or or if he'll ever have thoughts on this. <laughs> or ever see it. He, oh, no, he had it coming, though. We all had it coming. We all, we all had it coming, kid. I, nothing about this e- email resonates with me in any way. I have a hard time having any thoughts because we literally don't know anything other than what's been in the email. They announced uh-huh. at Comic-Con that Todd McFarlane had teamed up with Blumhouse, which is the hottest producer, production company, mini studio, however you want to categorize them in Hollywood right now. They did Split. They did Get Out. They do low budget. Can I? I watched Split, and this is after saying, I'm all done with you, Mr. Shyamalan. Right. I'm fully done with you and i watched the whole thing dutifully and i got through to the end did you see it yeah i did just okay just like a week ago i'm not giving it away but at the end i was like oh fuck you (laughs) they're doing a big sequel with all the characters i was so mad i was like stupid just make a movie i like yeah i'm sure you did (laughs) i mean i like the movie you and i you and i went to see but i knew i knew that someone spoiled the twist for me so i knew what this was coming i liked the movie as a movie, I liked. I thought McAvoy was really good in it. He, not well. I guess people will have to donate. Maybe well, that's a show we'll do. <laughs> we should do that. We should do the movies of M Night Shyamalan as a special edition podcast if we get that. Okay, because that will be a fucking shit show. <laughs> it's the trees, okay? It's the. I've got nothing bad to say. <laughs> that about one's that. always on. So anyway, this was announced at Comic Con, but it literally announced nothing else. Like, I don't know. Has Top Farland ever made a movie before? I don't, I, have no, I don't think so. So I don't feel good about it. But, you know, Blumhouse, he's a hands-on producer. He works really well with these first-time guys. Jordan Peele had never done a, directed a movie before he did Get Out. So who knows? Maybe Todd McFarlane's a movie-making savant. We'll find out. Literally, it's hard to have any thoughts without any information other than what has been announced. Do you care about seeing a Spawn movie? I'm curious about a Todd McFarlane-written directed film, you know. I don't even want to read a Spawn comic book. It's a concept that's about 30 years past its time, but... And it feels it. It doesn't feel like, oh, this is a thing that is timeless. I'm curious. I'm curious. Fair enough. But I'm not, like... I wasn't, like, excited. I was perplexed when I heard the news. I'm perplexed that, that there's, like... That somebody's doing the math that there's enough of an audience for that. Because well, the I'm, thing is, I'm, they do they do really profitable, low-budget movies. Right. But don't come off as low budget. So the, Jason Blum's super smart about this stuff. So if he think he's got a formula for it. And it's not like this, they could do this movie on $3 million. I mean, Split, I think, was $9 million budget. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's not cheap. It's a VX-heavy movie. So who knows? But we'll find out. As more information, as with all these things, we'll see if it actually gets to that point. 
Yeah, that's a good point. There's a lot of things that can happen in the development process that could make this movie never happen, so we'll see. Get back to me when there's a trailer. Ink to deal doesn't mean a lot these days. Yeah. Or ever, any days. Related, Jason M. from Australia says, So DC just announced that Frank Miller is writing a story called Superman Year One with art by John Romita Jr. What is iFanboy's hot take on this announcement? How has there not been a Superman Year One before? What does such a thing even look like given the DC's continuity mess? So, first, it's important to note, as far as I can tell, it's not actually called Superman Year One. It's just that in the interview he said he was writing a Superman Year One type story. It could end up being called Superman Year One, but it, I don't think it's officially called that. Because that's a very important brand for DC. Sure. And yeah. And it could just be he's doing an origin story. Who knows? Like I said, it could end up being called that, but so far, as far as I can find anywhere, it's not actually called that. The only news we've had is the, it was he said in an interview. It hasn't like DC announced it or anything. Right. Also, there's been a ton of Superman Year One stories. They just haven't been called that. Man of Steel was one of the all-time great Superman stories. It's a Superman Year One story. It's just called Man of Steel. Superman Birthright's a Superman Year One story. You know, there's been a ton of them. All right, so bearing the lead of that, what do you think about Frank Miller doing a Superman story? I feel like I could not think of a worse writer to do this. And you're talking about one of my all-time favorite comic book writers, but I can't think of a worse writer for this. Well, it's interesting because he has used Superman basically as his foil yeah. for all of the biggest stories that he ever produced. Even in Daredevil, strangely. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think, I think, I think it could be interesting, depending on what Frank Miller shows up. Right? Who knows? That's the thing. I know that I am personally in a different place as a comic book consumer than I was even when the Batman story, which was called what All Star Batman, when yeah. that came out, mm -hmm. I didn't want that. Also, it was Jim Lee. Nothing about that is for you. So it might be interesting. It might be the right time and place when it does come out. And I, I it's not, it's not gonna hurt me. If it comes out, if I like it or don't like it. So I am willing to say, and this is optimism to it, like, it'd be, I, that could be interesting. That would be cool if it was. I have no doubt it will be interesting and it will be worth talking about. But if I'm in charge of DC and the, we want to do a Superman Year One story, I don't think Frank Wheeler is my first name that I call. Or even Ramita, really. Although mm. I liked Ramita's run on Superman earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Again, also, much like the Spawn announcement... Get back to me when the issue actually comes out. It's a good point. It's taken like four years for Batman Dark Knight three to finish. You know what? You know what I will tell you. Not too long ago, it, you know, it seemed like Frank Miller. We weren't going to get much more from him. Yeah, he seemed really sick, but now he seems like he's better. Yeah, and I really like that. That makes me really happy. So even if I don't love the work, I kind of like that he's working. Oh no, he's he's still a legend. You know, yeah. he's still a legitimate comic book legend who's done some of the most important comic book work in the modern era. Nothing will ever take that away from him. Right. And I will always respect him for that, even if I don't like what he puts out now, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I think Alan Moore. Yeah. I don't, I don't into what he's doing now, but it doesn't mean he's not the best comic book writer of all time. Yeah, that's true. Quick note on Comic-Con, since these are both Comic-Con-related things. I was there last week. We talked about this briefly in the show, although I hadn't been in the show yet at that point. This was the year where, I, like, the show was, like, creaking at the seams. Oh, yeah? Everyone I talked to said it was just a fucking nightmare. I mean, and I can tell you, I was there. I was a nightmare on the floor. It was just really? was so many people. I don't know if they sold more tickets. I don't know if there was less to see in the panel rooms. But every day, especially Saturday and Sunday, it felt like the scene in A Night at the Opera in the stateroom of the boat. Like, one more person gets shoved in here, this building's going to just pop open. Hmm. And partially, I think it's because a lot of booths now on the floor 
have put stages up and they do live, you know, live stuff on the stages, which causes traffic jams. Yeah, which like Marvel did that, and DC basically had their booth about their merchandise and their comics, and they did their mm-hmm. panels and that. Now they have a stage. So like at one point Saturday, they were introducing the Justice League cast in the DC booth, whereas fifty feet away they were introducing the Thor cast at the Marvel booth, and it was just like you could not move. And then like down the down the way, there's the CW booth, which now is a giant signing stage. They had all their casts up there. Star Wars booth now, which used to be about the toys and stuff now, and merchandise now has a stage. They were doing Jedi training. Like every mm-hmm. booth is trying to do a live show because that's what brings the crowd to the booth, but then everyone's doing it and it's just become a nightmare on the floor. Hmm. Also, I don't know if it's related or not, but this was one of the worst years for the security team. You stopped for a moment anywhere. They were yelling in your ear to keep moving. Huh. I, I stopped to try to read the booth number to figure out because I was trying to get somewhere specific, and they were like anywhere you just you couldn't stop moving any at any moment. It was I don't know if they were stressed out because of this crowd sizes, but they like everyone is complaining about security this year. Hmm. It was not a pleasant time on the floor. Well, yeah, you, you're a crusty old veteran there. No, but like no one I right. talked to was like this is fun. Everyone was like this is terrible. How do I get out of here? I mean, it was you know Comic Con's what it is. I always have a good time seeing people and. And seeing stuff in the booths, but like Saturday was just a nightmare. Sunday was no better. Sunday's usually better, but Sunday was no better. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They never built that second level. They talked about building to the, like, it's just, I don't know how they can, it's just, the show is just too big. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't say I terribly felt like I was missing a thing. I, I think, uh, and also the, um, you know, the comic area used to be the, sadly, the, the area you could get for some respite in, but now it's mm-hmm. not anymore even. So, because all the comic oh, wow. companies have media properties. Well, you know, like I said before, the DC booth had the Justice League cast in it. So, you could. It just it. feels like the crowd that is attracted by celebrity is so large that it's untenable. Yeah, that's, that's, that's basically it. Yeah. It was cool. We had a good time with people, but like, man, I've, it just, this was, it was, the, we were talking at a party one night about how this feels like the year the show broke. Mm hmm. And we'll see how, how they fix I it. I wonder if that's translating to sales for people, though. I don't know. The thing is, you couldn't even really stop to look at booths. Mm-hmm. You couldn't stop on the gray carpet, which was the carpet that's in between the booths. The so if you couldn't fit in the booth or had yeah. time to tell what booth you were you going into. You couldn't stop. Huh. Yeah. But Artist Alley was packed, so maybe it was, but we'll see. Were people still able to get their, their, their photos with the cosplayers? <laughs> yeah. But that, you know, I don't, I don't know. I sort of, that's sort of... All blur at this point, you know. Cosplaying mm-hmm. in that environment is hard because I I had a friend of mine who got like stabbed in the eye. <laughs> Somebody was Green Arrow, and he had his arrow sticking out of his quiver, and he turned and stuck my friend in the eye. You know, so <laughs> it, that it was we were packed in. Anyway, Comic Con, <laughs> yay! Let's do some plugs and announcements. So we had a book explode. Josh and I talked about the Street Angel Gang by Jim Rugg which you can find on our feed a couple of shows back. That was the show brought to you by the patrons. There'll be another Booksplode in two months, which we have the book for. I have, do you have yours, Josh? I have mine. I do have mine. And uh, this may have been a mistake. Should we, should we announce it? Yeah, yeah. Why not? That, way, that way it has to happen? Yeah. So if you listen to the Street Angel Gang, and not many of you did, not surprisingly, because it's a very specific indie book. It isn't out, or wasn't out at the time. It wasn't out at the time. It's only 40 pages. We were joking about how short it was and how, and how to make up for it. We needed to do a Cerebus phone book for the next book's load. And we're going to do that. Which volume? Volume 3? 2. Or 3? Two? Two? Two Mine three. says volume 3. Okay. Let's make sure we have all the right volume before we get, dig into this. C- carry on, and I will, I will confirm Church that. and State. Cerebus, Church and State will be the book's load for... Part uh, 1, yeah. Cer- part, it's Cerebus, Church and State, Part 1. 
which is but it's Cerebus Volume Three, right? But it, yeah, there's yeah. two parts of Church and State. No, no, so I, I know, but it, it's it, on the spine. It's Volume it Three. Is, it is. It, yeah. yeah, it's Book Three. Yeah. Okay. So the September books below will be Cerebus Church and State. It's very big. Yes. <laughs> so we'll be getting to that in September. You will very likely have to buy a used copy if you want to read along. If I you don't have it in August. There'll be a talks book. Definitely. Of course, as we said tomorrow night, uh, if you listen to this on Sunday, but just in general, on Monday, July 31st, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific is our patron hangout for those of you who are supporting patrons, where we will talk about some stuff. That's all I can tell you right now. Even if it exists, I don't know what it is. So um, we, we haven't had any problem filling that time recently, and it's a lot of fun. I look forward to these. So Atomic Blonde is out, and that's a movie based on an Oni book by Anthony Johnston. We may do a show on that. Ron and I were talking about it. If, my, if I had to bet money on it, I would say it's not going to happen mostly because Ron is wherever he is being buried in, in the cornfield. But oh. I would say there's a 25% chance we'll do an Atomic Blonde podcast. We'll see because there's a lot going on. What there will be, though, is a Batman Mask the Phantasm podcast because Warner Brothers did a big anniversary Blu-ray release for it this past week. And the Animated Brain Trust all has their copies. So sometime this week, although there are some... Some science deadline-related problems on Ryan Haupt's part, but uh, we're going to try to do it this week. If not the week after, there'll be a Batman Mask of the Phantasm discussion. I haven't watched that movie in probably 25 years. Uh, huh. It'll be interesting. Or however long it's been since it came out in the 90s. Uh, that'll be fun. People seem to really like that movie. They do, and I haven't seen it in so long, and I remember not really liking it at the time, so we'll see. Interesting. Yeah. I remember, yeah, not really not, really not liking it, but just sort of having it not really have an impact. That's more like, more accurate. It's more like, yeah, okay. Like, I wanted it to be special. I wanted it to feel like Transformers the movie, which it wouldn't have because I wasn't eight. But <laughs> all right. Fair that'll, enough. That'll be coming out soon. All right. And then, of course, look at this. Pick of the week number 600 is coming uh, the weekend of September 3rd. On those ones, we do a, an all-email live show. Maybe. That's probably what we're going to do. We haven't quite settled it down. But you're going to want to start thinking about that, what questions you might want to do. So you can send your emails into the show at contact at ifanboy.com and mark it 600. And we'll figure out what we're going to do with that. So you've got lots of time on that one. Yeah, so you've got about five weeks to the big show. We will probably do a live email show. We just haven't talked about it internally. So I didn't want to say for sure that's what we were doing. Yeah. But we'll do something special regardless. If we don't do that, something special we'll be doing. Because 600 episodes, that's a lot of episodes. That's not nothing. So that'll be um, Labor Day weekend if you're in the United States, uh, the weekend of September 3rd. Also, I believe that is the finale of Twin Peaks. Oh. Well, that'll be fun. I bet he's looking forward to that. That's the upcoming stuff happening. We are having one of those weird end of the shows where we can't keep focus. Uh, head over to ifanboy.com. You find all those podcasts, including the books Blood on the Street Angel Gang. You can also like iFanboy on Facebook at facebook.com slash iFanboy or follow at iFanboy on Twitter. That's where you find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. By the way, so do the patrons. You can follow us individually at J.A. Flanagan and Ron Oxo on Twitter and Instagram and at C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram. And, and seriously, just, just what, uh, spoiler, I guess, uh, Street Angel Gang, get that. If you like the show that we do here, you can write us a review on iTunes or better yet. You can tell your friends about us, tell folks who care, post on social media about it, do those kind of things. We really appreciate it. You are our marketing and promotion team, as it were. Uh, introduce, introduce your mom to podcasts. Have you ever been asked you to do that in a while? Right. Has your mom been wondering? Maybe she's like, I really need something. They're like, hold on, mom, I got you. Today I had to explain to my mom what a browser was. What? I guess that makes yep. sense. That makes sense. Yep, yep. And then the next day I – or actually because I had explained it to her last night also. It's not that she doesn't have the ability to retain information. It's that she just doesn't care. She just does not. How do I read the book? I get it. I get it. It's fine. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. 
Well, uh, that's that's it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Was that super long? Yeah.